I don't feel lonely when I am alone. But when I'm with a large group and I don't feel like I'm connected to anyone, then I feel extremely lonely. Getting discomfortable with loneliness. Last month, I was in Austin for South by Southwest, which, if you don't know, is a giant festival with a number of different themes. I think it started out as quite a popular music festival, and then it became quite a successful film festival, and then it became a conference, and it also has like an expo of gaming and an expo of board games and an expo of technology, and now it also has a cannabis section, and it also has like a blockchain cryptocurrency section. So it's kind of this giant festival party conference in which all these diverse groups come together, and each one has its own stream. The main reason that I went was that the keynote speaker this year was Brene Brown, who is my shame guru, though I've never met her. And I was like, this would be a great opportunity to see her speak in person, which was just sort of like a dream of mine over the last few years. So I got to South by Southwest. The very first session I went to after I got my pass was Brene's talk. And it was great. A lot of the material I had heard before, she kind of was using stuff from her book, Braving the Wilderness, but it was stuff that I hadn't thought about in a while, and it was stuff that I kind of really needed to hear right in that moment, because this was actually shortly after my shame incident at the leadership training program that I talked about in episode 44, Getting Discomfortable with Whiteness. And hearing Brene talk about how we can react to shame in a more effective way it made me realize that I had, in fact, reacted well in that situation. I had managed to do a fairly decent job dealing with the shame of the definition of whiteness. So it was a great reminder of how I want to try to be non-reactive to shame. And Brene is such a great speaker that it is just always an engaging, inspiring, honest, and insightful way to start any conference. But as soon as Brene was done, I was like, oh, <laughs> now what? I hadn't really looked at the other speakers. I hadn't really planned anything else. So I had 10 days of South by Southwest ahead of me, and I was sort of just like, okay, I don't know what to do. And as I wandered around Austin, getting a sense of the city and getting a sense of the festival and its different venues, I was overwhelmed with a feeling of loneliness. Over the last few years, I've started to notice that I feel loneliest in crowds. Once, when I went to Central Park on a sunny day, it was just full of so many interesting, attractive, fun people all in their little clusters talking, and I was just overwhelmed with how I wasn't connected with any of them. It's interesting because I'm actually someone who really values being alone. In fact, I'm the kind of person who requires a lot of alone time. I love just being in my room, reading, thinking, listening to music, laying in bed. I just really find that calming and centering, and, I, and it helps me to just get focused on 
What are my priorities? What should I be doing? What do I want to be doing? Am I on the track that I've set out for myself? It's a great way to work on new ideas, to have new insights, to, to make connections in my brain. I don't know. I just I love being alone. I don't feel lonely when I am alone. But when I'm with a large group and I don't feel like I'm connected to anyone, then I feel extremely lonely. And South by Southwest sort of embodied that loneliness in a very powerful way. Every inch of that city was full of people with badges, bustling about, going on interesting adventures. There were scooters, you know those scooters that you can rent with an app? Those scooters were everywhere, so people were zooming around, getting into crazy situations, and there were just all these interesting-looking groups. It was like, wow, okay, that group of guys is clearly a band. Those people look like they're definitely going to the cryptocurrency thing. These people over here are totally like in the film scene, you can tell. And it was just like all these exciting, interesting, unique-looking people everywhere, and I didn't know any of them. And it wasn't the kind of environment where I felt like I really could just talk to anyone. You know, at other conferences I've been to, like I talked about last week in Wisdom 2.0, you could just talk to anyone and you, you felt a sense of connection and openness throughout. It was just a conference of the right kind of attitude and size in which you always felt like you belonged. But South by Southwest was so big and so diverse that it didn't feel like you could just talk to anyone. It was very isolating and lonely. And, you know, I went to these really fascinating panels. Like I went to that panel about how we're living in a simulation that I talked about a few weeks ago. And the panels were really inspiring and interesting. But then after they were over, I had no one to debrief with. I had no one to argue about whether we were or were not in a simulation with. So once again, I would just sort of flood out into the convention center hall and there would be all these people chatting and I would have no one to talk to. And I quickly realized that 10 days of this was going to be torture. I had to find a way to make connections. And it almost happened by accident. At South by Southwest, you get all these drink tickets at various events. So I found myself lining up to get a drink. And as soon as I got in the line, the people in front of me and behind me started talking to me, just like spontaneously. Everybody just sort of turns and is like, oh, what did you see today? Oh, well, I saw this. Oh, how was that? Oh, yeah, I was looking at going to this and oh, this. And so it was just like, as soon as you got in a lineup, suddenly the cultural taboo against talking to strangers disappeared. And everyone was talking to everyone, probably because everyone was feeling that same sense of overwhelming loneliness, even if they were with another person. It was one of those situations where I think even if you went to South by Southwest with a friend or with a partner or with a business partner or with a group, you spent so much time with them that you actually were desperate to have some new blood infused into the conversation. So everybody was feeling this feeling of loneliness, but feeling like they couldn't really bridge it until suddenly when we got in a line together, it shifted the social rules such that, hey, now we're on the same team. Hey, now we belong. We're in a community. And that community is the line for beer. 
So we would line up, we would chat, I would get my drink, and as soon as I had my drink and I was out of the line, it was no longer cool to keep talking to those people. Then suddenly I was this weird hanger-on who was, like, staying beyond his welcome. So, you know, you might have a few words exchanged and then be like, cool, we'll have a good festival. And then all of a sudden, you are standing drinking alone. Back to being lonely. So after experiencing this line-up talking phenomenon several times, pretty much every line you went into, suddenly you were talking to people, I realized that the key to surviving South by Southwest is to constantly be in lines. I would line up for one drink, get the drink, and then get in a line for food or for another drink. And in that line, I would finish my drink and start talking to someone else. And then when that line was over, I would move to another line. And there was always another line. There was a line for drinks, there was endless lines for food, there were lines for conferences, and there were all of these houses and and experiences and, you know, like Sony would have a whole room that you would have to line up for and inside it there were robotic dogs, that's a true story. You know, like the Canada House would have a line and you would go inside and then there would be some Canadian band playing. And then there was like a Lululemon bubble that you could meditate in. And there was an Amnesty International tent that you could line up for. And there were all these things that they were giving away for free. So I basically just found that I could fill my social time by lining up for things. And once I got inside, I could decide, okay, do I actually want to hear this Canadian band? No. So then I would go and find another line. And sometimes I would find myself lining up for something and I'd get inside and it was quest love, DJing. And then I would hang out there and dance for a while. And then I would go and I would line up for something else and be like, well, let's find out what this is. And through lining up for things, I managed to meet a lot of people and make a lot of connections. They weren't lasting connections. They rarely led to like an exchange of cards or anything, but they kept me from going insane from a feeling of loneliness and isolation. And they inspired me to do a lot of things. You know, I could have just gone home, but because I had the social comfort of lining up, I found myself getting into all these interesting little adventures simply because I didn't want to stand around alone. And South by Southwest wasn't all loneliness. There were also these really inspiring and really thought-provoking panels. Like, for example, there was one panel that was full of prodigies. One girl who was like 16 had found a way to alter the genes of a housefly so that it would live twice as long, raising the possibility that we could flip a few gene switches in humans and have double the lifespan. Another prodigy was working in quantum computing, which basically uses the weirdness of quantum mechanics to create the supercomputers of the future based on the fact that certain particles can be in two places at once, which would mean that the transfer of information inside a quantum computer would basically be instantaneous, making it an absurdly fast and powerful theoretical computer. There was another fascinating seminar in which a businessman who was frustrated by the level of gang violence in his city actually managed to get a meeting with one of the top leaders of the street gangs in his area. And he was quickly impressed 
by how intelligent and driven this gang leader was. And he wondered, what if I took the skills of active gang members and applied them to business instead of street-level drug dealing? And so he did exactly that. He got a handful of active gang members from both the Bloods and the Crips, and he brought them in to work in sales in his corporation. And he discovered that they were extremely good at their job. And then he decided to start an entire startup where the entire staff was active gang members. And every time he gave a gang member a job, they said the same thing. It wasn't about the drugs. It was just that that was their only opportunity to make money. And given this new opportunity of creating a brewery, they were just as driven and just as successful. And at the same time, he was able to use these active gang members to lower gun violence in his area. So I saw a series of really inspiring and incredible speakers who are doing really fascinating things to push technology and social justice forward in the world. And it helped get me thinking about, wow, like how could I do something as useful as that? How could I contribute? And of course, for me, you know, my topic is shame. That's what fascinates me. That's what I am constantly reading about and experiencing firsthand and studying and talking to people about. It's kind of become my unofficial area of expertise. Not that I am a shame expert, but for me personally, it is what I have become expert in. So I was really inspired by what these people were doing and started to think about how I could take my shame message further, how I could get it out to more people, how I could give back to the world by spreading a message about an emotion that very few people understand, shame. 